Welcome to Let's Talk About Treks, an episodic review of today's visions of the future featuring Earl Grey and Jack Dorino. Today, steep a little Earl Grey and sip on some Jack Dorino as the hosts of Let's Talk About Treks introduce you to two guys who love nothing more than to talk about themselves and Star Trek. Before we get to the part where we review all of these episodes of Star Trek, I thought that it might be important, you know, to to let the viewers, this is my camera over here, to let the viewers know, <laughs> let, me, let me look right at you guys in, in this camera, to let you guys know that, uh, you know, who we are, so you can get a good yeah. sense of, because, you know, you can't see us, you can't, you can basically just hear us, which is awesome, yes. because we're we're both very ugly people <laughs> on, the, on the outside. Yeah, I mean, I've got tentacles and British teeth and... Oh, I only have one British tooth. Because that's the only one you have left? Yeah, it's the only one I have. But it is, it's definitely British. I don't know. It must have come from, from you know, slave owners a few hundred years ago. I just, I now I've tumbled into well, a territory. They were, they were beaten so hard out of your head, or your, your, your ancestor's head, that wow. none of your ancestors have had teeth. Jeez. So, uh, so what's your earliest <laughs> Star Trek memory? <laughs> Um, because mine is my... now Roots. <laughs> when Jordy the Forge was in Roots. Um, well, mine would be in in our first non-apartment rental, a, a house in a small suburb of uh, Chicago. It had an upstairs and downstairs, and we had a small little. I want to say 13-inch TV, but I'm pretty sure it was a 19-inch TV. Or did they make 15-inch TVs? Yeah, Maybe I, I remember having a 13-inch. I actually have a 13-inch TV, and it's, like, mounted to a little swing arm beside my bed. It was the 15-inch. It was small. Yeah. I mean, it was barely big enough for a family to sit across the room and watch the TV. So laptops, this, a lot of laptops are, like, 13 to 15 inches. This was a little bit bigger, but it wasn't penises also i i don't know why i said that i just i thought it was important to, to recognize that fact as well yeah so this is not it's just guys just so you guys know this is probably not a kid's show i don't know like it, unless you like your kids listening to people saying penis you know 40 year old men saying the word penis out loud on a recording then probably penis. not the show for and, and perhaps randomly too a little random, yeah, because we were definitely in a small Blinkin' You Miss a Town in Illinois where you had a very small television. Um, I'm assuming color? Yes, it was in color. And I can remember uh, being told to go to bed and waiting and sitting at the top of the stairs and watching over my dad's shoulder near the top of the stairs. And uh, I, I just remember seeing... Uh, Captain Picard on the screen for the first time. I think eventually maybe I clued my dad in to um, my presence and uh, he, he just invited me down to finish the show with him. Oh, I have really? no idea what episode it was. It was a classic shot and I think it was season three and four and so on uniforms. So they already had the, the neck. Okay. But sure. it, was a, it was a classic shot of Picard standing in front, you know, right up by the two stations in front. You mean Con and Ops? Yes. 
So how, how long ago would you say this is, though? Star Trek The Next Generation was on the air. So, um... So maybe 1990-ish would be the earliest it could be, considering the uniforms. Probably. So that, okay, yeah. so that puts us a good, like, 30 years ago. So you have, like... So would you say you have, like, 30 years of Star Trek experience? Like... <laughs> If you were putting it on a job publication. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If I was, if we were to combine our experience, like uh, certain people that bust myths, yeah, I would say a minimum of 30 years. Yes, that's, that'll. That's pretty great. So, like, between the two of us, we have about 60 years of Star Trek experience on the show. <laughs> um, was that the, the end of your story? I, 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 wanted, to, I wanted to tell you about. Um, about my early experience, but I didn't want to, I don't want to like, yeah, there wasn't too much more with that. I don't remember my next experience and I'm pretty sure my experience with Star Trek. I don't remember like waiting all summer long for part two of the, of the best of both. Worlds. Are you kidding me? No, I can not still at all. Feel so... it. Like it's still palpable <laughs> for me. Like I was, I remember thinking about it all summer and I think I went to summer school that summer, um, which is where, I don't know, all the kids had to go to summer school summer long and wondering what was going to happen. <laughs> all, all, all the kids had to go to this summer school? All the, all the dumb kids in Fairfax County who So, so who was couldn't. it some sort of internment camp? It, it was like an internment camp. <laughs> Just, you know, regular summer school, you know, like. Had an issue with geometry because, you know, math is lame when you're a kid. And then, like, <laughs> well, I mean, for me, math was lame when I was a kid. And when then, were like, you taking geometry at that age? Man, I, I, I know. So I was, uh, so I didn't really talk about what age it was. I guess I did talk about what age it was. Um, so that would have been, what year is that? I don't know. So that would have been, uh, yeah, like before seventh or eighth grade, right around then. Okay. Uh, so actually, so... Oh, you know, I was about to tell a story about my, my interaction with Star Trek, and then I realized that my earliest memory might actually be before then. I'm not really sure. Um, I know what happened was that we were, so we were in Georgia at the time. My father was uh, in the Army. Ooh, the Deep South. Sure, sure. And they had transferred <laughs> us to, uh, to Fort Benning, Georgia, uh, which I loved, oh, by the way. Yeah. It was wonderful. I learned to ride horses. Um, there was big golf carts across the street from our house. Um, my father was a colonel, mm -hmm. so we lived, like, up on the hill. Um, it was literally like across the street from the, the from the golf course, so there would be like deer coming from the golf yeah. course grazing in our yard in the morning. It's pretty dope place to live. I, I love yeah. uh, Georgia, all parts of Georgia and Columbus, Georgia. To to our British artist audience, that's a colonial. Oh wait, no, that's not. I'm not pronouncing it right, but colonial. There were a lot of things I remember about Fort Fort Benning. A lot of like moments that were important for me to remember that were like outside of like like right outside of our house. We moved back. From, uh, we had to move back from Georgia in about 1988 because um, I remember that one of the last things I saw about last things I saw on Star Trek: The Next Generation was Tasha Yar like dying. Okay. And then I was over it. Like I turned it off and I wasn't watching it anymore. <laughs> My brother and sister used to watch it occasionally. Like it was like just one of those things that was on. You know, like MacGyver, Greatest American Hero. Um, mm -hmm. uh, Mash. Yeah, my my dad watched Mash all the time. There was no cable, <laughs> so there was no cable. There was no streaming, right. and you just kind of like watch what was there and uh, kind of you know learn to enjoy it or learn to you know uh, tolerate it. So we did a lot of like weekend Star Trek watch. And, and like the old Eddie Murphy joke, if the president on your night was screwed. Yeah, yeah, pretty much because it's all <laughs> you're gonna be able to see anywhere. So we used to watch it. So it was like in the foundation of like my memories. So it was there, yes. but I didn't have like any any connection to anything. Like it didn't mean anything yes. yet. Yep. Um. So I had what we might call 
uh, not great relationship with my mom, right? Well, we got along for five years. And then once um, once I turned five, my brother let slip, slip that I was adopted. And then, like, everything changed. Like, my whole world changed. All of a sudden, like, my brother, who had been my enemy, became, like, my best, best friend. And, like, my, my mother became, like, this felt, like, negative to me all the time. So just for a serious moment here for a moment, yeah, are you sure. actually adopted? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So the, oh, my parents adopted me uh, in a... So uh, I'll have you know, dear listener, fair listener, that um, Earl Grey and I have actually known each other for several years. I'm going to say since around 2000, because I do know okay. that I started uh, the USS Victory Sim in 2001. And I don't think that you were my first doctor. I think that you were maybe a second doctor or a third doctor. Okay. But still, it's been, it's been, so it's been quite a while, is my point. Yes, um, I'm in, intimately familiar with uh, Captain Dorino's body. That's interesting. Uh, so, in any case, <laughs> uh, well, let me just say, uh, let me also add that um, that I, I, I live in Washington, D.C. I may have mentioned that earlier or made some reference to it. I don't know. Uh, and our buddy Earl Grey lives in the Midwest. So, we have like kind of a Lakings, posing... like Great Lakes area. Er, er, Sure, sure, area. the Great Lakes area, yeah. Um, so we have, like, different geography around us and thus different experiences and different lives. Also, you know, one black, one white. I am the black one, and he is the non-black one. Uh, you are? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm also gay. I don't know if I told you that. I don't know if I told you that. <laughs> I don't know. But that's... You've always appeared kind of brown to me. I, I am kind of brown. So this is my thing about Avery Brooks, is that Avery Dark Brooks has always can? been like, I'm not black, I'm brown. And I'm like, eh, true, but... Who are you alienating here by saying it? I, for a while when I was in high school and he had said that line, like I really like, I, it stuck with me and I kept it and I used it. And then later when I started thinking about, you know, whether things that I espouse are actually good or not, um, I realized that the statement that he made of I'm brown, not black might be alienating to a lot of people. Uh, Why is so that? I stopped using that. And I, because if people, if people, are aligning themselves under a banner of black and they know that you are also black and then you turn around and other them by saying no i'm not black and not put them under your umbrella then it can feel like i said it can feel like othering and it can feel like are you trying to lift yourself up like in some way like are you above me because of that or like i it's it's it can just be very very dissonant you know in a, so, in a discourse of a day speaking of avery brooks um why don't you go ahead and transition to uh, your favorite captain and why? So I will. So I will. Uh, I will say that uh, Avery Brooks as Commander Cisco is my favorite captain, although he did not start as a captain. And well, now I guess he was really a captain the whole time because I'm going to call any commanding officer captain because, you know, Navy experience. But yeah, I will remind you that I didn't quite tell my my story of my first my first thing. So like this is all. <laughs> oh, OK by the way, still attached to, to my mother. So I had, I had asked my father one time, I said, uh, we, we were going shopping. This is a, a, a totally different time <laughs> that, uh, that we, my father and I were going shopping for Christmas stuff. And I was like, I don't know what to get my, my mother. Like, I have no idea because, you know, I don't like her. So I asked him, I said, well, what can I do? Like, is there something I can get that like we can enjoy together? We can watch together or like something, you know, that, that can help us, you know, help her not be so mean or whatever. And he was like, oh, she always liked Star Trek, you know, when we were going, when we were uh, in college, my parents met um, on the campus of Howard University. And the story goes that he walked up to her and he said, I'm going to marry you. And then, you know, 49 and a half years later, <laughs> uh, you know, after they had been married for that 
entire time um, is when is the only time he left her, and that was when when he died. So, really, quite a man of honor, man of his word. Um, his his suggestion to me was, you know, get 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 something Star Trek. She always liked Star Trek. Maybe maybe get that. Mm. Um, and it was my it's my understanding now that my father also had no idea what to get for my mother because I got her that, <laughs> and she seemed very unimpressed on Christmas when she opened it, Aww. and then like a year later when I realized that she had not watched it, uh, I took it upon myself to watch it and became like addicted immediately. My father told me a little bit. He told me a little nugget, you know, that she had liked Star Trek and she watched it like all the time. And then I did further research and I asked her, because I asked my father, you know, what his favorite aliens were. And I asked my mother what her favorite aliens were. And she said she always liked the ones with the half black and the half white face. Now, of course, like it had been far removed from their lives, so nobody knew the names of any aliens. Um, mm-hmm. But she was talking, of course, of Bailey and Lokai, um, whose species I don't remember, but they had, you know, they, it was the, the Riddler from Batman who had, you know, <laughs> half black and half white face. Uh, so. Uh, that sounds more like Two Face. Strangely, right? Like he should have been playing Rumble. something. Yeah, like funny, right? So, like, the Riddler plays Two Face, but whatever. Okay. So uh, so I got that episode and I watched it and it, I was like, and I got it. Like I understood it immediately. And I was like, oh, oh my God. I was a little kid, right? But I was like, I totally yeah, yeah. was into, they're absolutely talking about racism, right? And mm-hmm. and, and, and the, I'm gonna see like how they handle this stuff because like that was kind of like a new uh, a new thing. Like people talking about that kind of thing. Cause we didn't really talk about it, you know, when I was, uh-huh. when I was growing up up until that point. So, so what th- was this about the uh, mid 70s or early 80s? No, no, no. I'm going to say this is early 80s. It's probably like okay. 80. This is probably like just before The Next Generation came out. Now, we did okay. sit down as a family and we watched Star Trek The Next Generation episode one. But I do remember that that was because by that time I was super excited about it. Like I was psyched about it because by then I had like gotten the thing from my mom. She had like not watched it, and then I had picked it up, and I had gotten addicted. So like I know that like I was a strong force in the uh, like making us watch Star Trek: The Next Generation. Um, but uh, but as a family we did that. I was the the youngest the youngest Good. of three. Okay. And, and we watched that as a family. And like I said, the, the race thing has always been paramount, no pun intended, uh, on my on my brain when I'm looking at Star Trek. And Star Trek for me mm-hmm. has always been like, you know, it's not black and white and Chinese and Puerto Rican. It's, you know, human, Klingon. Those are those are the things that we can be <laughs> racist about. You know? I can yeah. call you a green-blooded bastard because you're Vulcan. And like, I'm, there's not, that, that kind of like, it doesn't exist. That paradigm doesn't exist among humans in say the 23rd yeah. or the 24th century. Um, okay. Which is why uh, an additional, just to span back across questions, it's part of the reason why Commander Benjamin Sisko was so important to me, right? So, mm-hmm. like I said, my, my brother and my sister were, were much older than me. My brother was seven years older than me. My sister is nine years older than me. And uh, so they were right. kind of out of the house by the time my form, formative years came along. You know, like... Uh, it was being seven years apart from the closest one means that by the time I was in like middle school, they were both gone out of the house. So it was just me and my dad, really, because my mom and I just didn't get along at all. So the relationship between Cisco and Jake was very much like the relationship between me and my father. Okay. So uh, were all of your siblings adopted or were any of them natural to your parents? 
parents? Yes. Or... So I am the only one that was adopted. The rest of them, my parents created themselves. I created it. Okay. So it's always been a sneaking suspicion that my mother in immediately had an issue with, or a bias against me because I was not hers. And she's, okay. she's mentioned issues with my bloodline before, and I, I don't know. I don't. Your I don't. I don't know anything about it, and I haven't done any. Yeah, she's. That almost that, like, indicates that maybe they knew the parents or knew who they yeah, were. Yeah, so I believe they met uh, Don Saunders at one point, which is my mother's name. Um, okay. Uh, they did not meet the father. Uh, to hear my mother tell it, the that my mother was like thirteen and my father was like eighteen. So I guess statutory rape or whatever. I, I don't know. And I haven't looked into the story and I don't care to look in the story because I was raised by two parents and I know who they are and I have known who they are my entire life. And I love them for all their, you know, successes and failures and foibles and, 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 uh, and uh, good qualities as well. Okay. So, I mean, one of them I have to love from afar, but the other one I think that I can love at the closest distance because he is now he has now uh, left the planet and is now with me like at every moment of my life which is a whole nother bundle of bundle of issues <laughs> in, in and of itself it makes sex very interesting but you know <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> um, sure. so yeah so yeah definitely my, my favorite my favorite captain is uh is Cisco uh, and, is a and, huge you know, victory for the good guys. I like things that reflect me which I didn't really realize I didn't oh until the recent age of like Black Lives Matter, I never really connected the idea of. I, I thought I was being selfish. You know, I didn't think of like I thought of the idea. I never thought of the the idea in the terms of representation, but I think that's what I always looked for. So seeing Ben Cisco become the captain was like a huge thing. Like now, mind you, um, I was totally, 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 totally into Worf. Like Worf was my Worf was my brother. Worf was my big brother growing up, <laughs> and Jordy was like my my friend growing up. Like my little my my I guess he was my brother as well. Um, okay. Because definitely, definitely, my paramour was uh, Crusher, and my sister was Troy, and you know I, I had a father. Paramour, paramour, like the one that I loved. Like I was, oh my oh, okay. gosh. My little gay ass was like so in love with Dr. Beverly. Dr. Beverly. Oh my god, I was so I was so jealous of Odin and I was so jealous of Riker <laughs> in the same episode. And the whole ghost like Beverly fucks a ghost episode, I've never Channel. watched it because I have no interest in watching Beverly love someone who's not even tangible more than me because it makes no sense because clearly if she knew me to know me is to love me to love me is to know me you know just like uh <laughs> dr ira graves not to flex my track muscles too much um but what about you what who is your uh, who is your favorite captain well, or is... the thing, well the interesting thing is sometimes i'm on the fence about two of them um okay you know, sometimes it can be hard to, uh, you know, just, there's there's good things about one and there's good things about another, and um, you know, there's good things about all of them, and it's just kind of always hard to pick an exact singular favorite. That makes or sense. Your even, you know, your top three. Um, I I agree with you about a lot of things about uh, Cisco. For me, it was, you know, I, I understood, I kind of understood the significance of Commander Captain Cisco. Um, I did appreciate the uh, father son relationship. I thought that, you know, 
my dad was sort of an 80s dad, but sort of not. I mean, we had an okay relationship, but the hard thing also in my life was that uh, I had an undiagnosed neurological condition that uh, affected every aspect of my life and therefore um, and even unknown uh, to us at the time. And so we didn't know why there was, you know, social awkwardness and stuff. But uh, I really ad admired the uh, father-son relationship. I, di I did have a good relationship with my dad, but um, it wasn't as good of a relationship as it was between um, Captain Cisco and Jake. Okay. But at the same time, one of the things I also really liked about uh, the Cisco character is the character arc and the development, and sure. the fact that he did get promoted. He wasn't a captain right from the start. He did get promoted within the series of the show, whereas yeah. all the other captains, they're already there is no origin story. They're already a captain. It's like they were born a captain, and and they've only been this uh tall strapping uh yeah, yeah. i've definitely man. always thought of janeway as tall and strapping for sure <laughs> she's the tallest well, no, I was, and the strapping I was gonna, yeah i was gonna get to her description but yes and and Cisco oh did i stumble on who your other captain is no comment oh okay all right <laughs> oh suspense um so yeah cisco is really he has a development he grows and and along with that jake uh, Cisco grows and along with that but Sirach uh, Lofton grows I mean he oh my god he does he grow his... oh my god <laughs> well, he, yeah, he started he out the like same size as Nog and ended up like the same size as Mr. Holm like Worf <laughs> is looking up to, to Jake by the end and I'm like what's happening here let's go out what and kind Michael of jeans did Jennifer have because it certainly didn't come from Ben's side <laughs> well yeah, and um, you know, he he's often talking about his relationship with Avery Brooks, the relationship that he appreciated as his character and his character's father. Um, and but uh, to to transition a little bit, uh, the the other captain that I I kind of also appreciate. Um, maybe maybe it's because I knew him from other things. Uh oh. <laughs> uh oh. And ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, oh, no. him's, hers, and she's. Um, you might discover that he and I have one small contention about. Uh, oh no. One of our agreements, and that would be Captain Archer. Oh no. <laughs> so. Please, uh, I'm very curious. Um, please tell me how Dr. Sam Beckett is your favorite Star Trek. <laughs> well, I mean, I I enjoy uh, the actor. I um, I I enjoy how uh, Captain Archer is a flawed man. He's learning. He's able to admit when he's had a fault, when he's made a fault. And he's able to come to it and learn from it. I appreciate how he his dynamic with uh, his first officer to Paul. I appreciate his dynamic with um, the Andorian 
uh, who's named Shran, you know, and how they become to respect each other. Um, and uh, I, not only that, but he was uh, a captain that just hadn't been in anything else or a whole lot since Quantum Leap. Um, whereas, you know, each of the other shows had some aspect of it that connected it to another show. Um, and so yeah. Tom Paris was, was supposed to be the Nick other Licardo. character. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Um, like, Nick Lacarno was supposed to be the Helm Officer of the Voyager. I'm going to tell you a little secret. <laughs> and that secret is that Star Trek doesn't like to pay for things, right? So instead of paying the person who wrote that episode, what is it, like, the first duty? Uh, instead of paying the person mm. who wrote that episode a royalty every time they use Nick Lacarno during the run of Star Trek Voyager, they just gave him mm -hmm. a different name. That's the whole yeah. thing. That's the whole thing why we don't have Nick Lacarno. Because it, it makes perfect sense. Like, when you watch the first duty and then you watch, like, the first episode of Voyager, 100% that's the guy. Like, yeah. that's not only the guy, but that's the guy. Like, that's the guy who played the guy. So, like, <laughs> really, that's the guy, right? But they gave him a name change because they didn't want to pay whomever it is they had to pay for uh, the first duty uh, again and again and again and again every time they yeah. talk about yeah. you know, Nick Lacarno. Um, you know, and then... Um... Deep Space Nine, Captain Picard's in the first episode to prove that they're in the same universe, and the Enterprise D is there visiting, and let me uh, let me pause just real quickly. I'm sorry to, to jump in on you like that, but I, I something just struck me as really, really whack. Okay, so here's the thing that happens. I decided to look up who the writer of the first duty is. You'll never guess right. who it is. Okay. It's Ron freaking Moore. Okay. So, like, they didn't want to pay Ron Moore for creating Tom <laughs> Paris, so they renamed him. I would go and create another best-selling, amazing science fiction drama and rock the shit out of Star Trek myself as well. How dare you? Anyway, moving on. <laughs> well, the other thing is, so, um, what about the Cardassian that is played by the actor that Mark played... Alamo? Yes. Um, oh, like Glenn Tella or something like that? Like the first well, one, I mean, he's got like the beard and the weird like crap yeah. around his head and junk. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the first Cardassian we ever meet, right, is played by the same person that plays... Um, Goldicott. Thank you. I was going to say Garrick. <laughs> Goldicott, and I would have come to it eventually. And it's it's almost like that's the exact same thing. That seems a little bit more like they didn't know that this actor was going to portray. Kind of like the, uh, um, well, I won't go into another property yet, but um, yeah. So, um, wow. They're, they're, all, all the other shows had all these other connections and threads going through them to connect them to each almost each and every show um and Voyager also starts out at Deep Space Nine before they go into the Badlands yes, yes. yeah granted Deep Space Nine is probably the best place to, to stop just before going into the Badlands but why isn't there another Federation president president presence um near the 
some part of the expanse that is the Badlands. Not the expanse, but the Badlands. <laughs> yeah, so that has to do with the whole Cardassian War, right? So the Badlands are not like legal space. I think that's like the that's like the I I've always thought of it as like the uh the neutral zone over on that area. Right? Well, it was not really a place that anybody owned, but it was sort of like between places that people owned and you had to like the 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 Maquis could hide there in order yeah. to come out and fight the Cardassians who had taken their their lands by by taking the space that their plans were in so i guess mm -hmm. thinking through that way means that the badlands must be in cardassian space mm -hmm. mm. which is why they had to send undercover people into the maquis to find out where they were going and what they were doing except um i they, it could be like partly in bajoran space because the bajorans go there all the time yeah i'm gonna agree with like i i think that maybe that must be like sort of between like I said, sort of like between ownership, because who wants to own the Badlands? And if it just happens to be <laughs> in the middle of your your space, I mean, it could be even Bajoran space. But like for I real, don't know, the Badlands are a good place to find dinosaur fossils. Are they? Uh, the oh, actual Badlands. I, I see what you did there. I, <laughs> I, everyone ignore how slow I was just now. Just <laughs> that didn't happen. Oh, I don't know what you're talking about because we cut that out. Remember? Wink. Wow. Wink. So. Oh, did we? Yes, we did. <laughs> I don't know. What are we talking about then? <laughs> the, um, so you're gonna listen. So I, let me also add because I, I'm a little jealous that you explained your guys so well. I'm gonna also add that uh, Ben Cisco definitely had his flaws. And he definitely had his like light moments and his dark moments, and it is for his dark mm -hmm. moments and his in between mm -hmm. moments that I that I love him so much. Um, Picard always had light moments. You know, like he was always the guy who was right. Mm -hmm. You know, and sometimes Cisco was not necessarily right, but he was always had he always had a right purpose. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So that was the thing about, you know, his cause is just and his quarrel is honorable kind of thing that I learned from Picard. So Picard is the one who taught me that I should love Cisco. <laughs> and I will say that um uh on the face of series, like I, I although Cisco's my favorite captain, I can't say that that's my favorite series. Now it might be unfair to say that Picard, Star Trek Picard, is my favorite series, um, but it's only because like Star Trek Picard is Star Trek: The Next Generation, The Next Generation, right? Because Star Trek TNG, uh, Deep Space Nine, is what that show is. It's Star Trek: The Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, is, is what mm -hmm. that show is, right? And then it's Star Trek: The Next Generation, Voyager, is is what that show is. And then it's Star Trek: The Next Generation, Picard, is what that show is. So while I can say so, like while so I grew up on the Enterprise D, mm -hmm. me and all my friends, right, mm -hmm. and like I I learned a lot of life lessons from Picard, and they happen to be the same life lessons I learned from my father, and I was able to bounce you know back and forth of, hey, mm -hmm. did, is what he's saying here true? Like I wouldn't put it like that, but I would basically like you know sort of round talk my father to tell me whether what Picard says here is right or not right and mm -hmm. we even like we even watched it together a few times the next generation um okay it was it was during your unification part one when uh oh no unification was it unification part one I don't know whichever one it was where Tasha Yar comes walking out of the darkness dressed as a Romulan and I fell out of my seat <laughs> fell off the couch and my father looked up from his newspaper and was like okay are you all right <laughs> <laughs> I was like it's Tasha Yar, and he had like had no understanding of that, what that, that was, meant. Yeah, that's that was Unification Part One. That was exactly but, where they uh, cut to. Cut to but crap. he knew that it was important to me, and yeah. that's why it was important to him. 
And mm-hmm. that was a thing that like marked him as a great man, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, a lot of people would be like, "Okay, shut up with your nerdy little bullshit," right? But my father mm-hmm. probably felt that inside, but like instead was like, "Oh, this is your shit. Like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna like be a part of your shit, so that like yeah. you can, you can always, you know, come to me and stuff." I, I actually found um, a couple months ago when I moved my comic collection out of my mother's house um, before she sold it. Um, I found a cassette tape, a VHS cassette tape, that my mm-hmm. father had recorded like a couple episodes of Star Trek on for me. Mm-hmm. I was yeah. really excited just to see like his handwriting on this cassette tape. I haven't like figured out how to watch it because nobody has a VH a VCR anymore. Mm-hmm. Nobody has a VHS player anymore. <laughs> well, but, you know, good, good I, will, I got dude. a little, a little piece of my own personal history, you know, sitting there. Thrift stores. You, to to the millennials and generation Z's, prior to the, we we're all talking about a time where just before the transition or the potential transition into digital and DVD, um, a VHS is a video HS. <laughs> Yeah, so it's a it's a video video cassette. I don't know what the video what does yeah, VHS stand for? That is so interesting because I know a DVD a is yep. a digital video disc, right? Well, actually, that's a common myth. Oh, it's not a digital video disc. It technically is, but that's not what it stands for. What does it stand for? Well, um. So VHS, you... by the way, stands for Video Home System. Which actually you should talk about the video system, like the recorder, the viewer, yep, and yep. all that. But for some, but, so we call it a VHS tape, is what we call it. Mm-hmm. And then a VCR is a video cassette recorder. Recorder, sure. Um, so it's not a VCR tape. It's not. Yeah, it's a, what's a VHS tape? A VHS player. It's a VCR. Is the player, sure. and the VHS is the object which you use to with the movie recorded onto it yeah i'm gonna say the vhs is a standard for consumer level analog video recording on tape cassettes but <laughs> yeah i mean we can i'm gonna get say the vhs data, tape but... is that cassette that you stick in your vcr yes this is the most boring history podcast <laughs> that i've ever listened to in my entire life uh, according to scientificamerican.com uh-huh DVD stands for Digital Versatile Disc. Whoa. Ducks. Oh, that's that's super interesting. wonder why that that's, changed. I guess it's just generification. Yeah, it's just easier to remember video, but it, it is more versatile than just putting movies on it. You can put, you know, data on it. You can put Riker. I mean, you can put uh, pictures on it. You can put... Did you say Riker? No. Okay. It's very curious. De- definitely not intentionally either. I'm going to pull that thread. Data, Riker. Uh, okay. Oh, da- I got it. There we go. There we go. Thread pull. That's where you're going. So, so listen, uh, my, my favorite series, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and say it. Okay. Uh, man. It's actually kind of tough because I, my brain keeps waffling between or wavering or whichever one it's doing between Picard and Discovery. Strange uh-huh. that it's like a newer one, but like you know, I give props to the new. I, you know what? I'm gonna say it's Picard. Okay. 
And I'm not going to say it's, you know, I'm going to say it's Discovery. You know what? I, I take it back. I'm going to say it's Discovery. Discovery because. So I was thinking <laughs> Picard because, you know, the first five minutes of Star Trek Picard are the most breathtaking Star Trek that I've ever seen in my entire life. Because we do the whole, like, we uh, just the zoom in and the blue skies and, oh, my God, and the poker game. And I don't want the game to end. And uh, we'll, anyway, we'll do a whole podcast about that episode later. <laughs> but <laughs> it's a lot. Um, okay. So what I what I have right now is uh, a realization that while Picard is good, there's really not much to that series thus far. Like the first season yeah. just kind of sets up the characters. Uh, but Discovery, because we're so far along, has done a lot. Like Discovery mm -hmm. has launched uh, two more shows. I mean, the shows aren't out yet, but it's launched the ideas for two more shows. Yeah. Uh, the whole journey that we're watching with Burnham is great. I like Saru as a character. I hated, hated, despised, did not like and abhorred the design of the starship discovery but then mm -hmm. i came to love it and it became came to be like my new little home where i live <laughs> and also aldous hodge was in star trek discovery so like you know i i can't I, there there are some issues but i'm gonna go ahead and say that right now discovery is my favorite my favorite show well he wasn't in in discovery well, he was, he was in short treks aboard the Starship Discovery. You tell me the difference. One is short treks, the other one is Discovery. Heavens. So, uh, so listen, I think that's a good spot for us to, uh, to take a break, and uh, we will be right back after this brief, after these messages. We'll be right back. So welcome back from that yeah. brief little break. I hope you enjoyed our commercials or non-commercials, depending on what <laughs> what was in there. Um, so where where exactly were we? We I think we were on. You were talking more about why you like Cisco, and you talked about your favorite show. Uh, to transition to that, let me finish. Archer is a real frontiersman. He. Uh, he's actually more of a wagon train to the stars or actually more like an Oregon trail than any other show, even the original Kirk Spock and McCoy Star Trek. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you that. It's we're kind of brand new to space and he's exploring a, a frontier, yeah. uh, sort of a la Janeway. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I, I've always I've always been really curious about well what happened before Kirk, even after I started discovering that there was a previous generation to the next generation, um, and discovering more about Star Trek. It's like well so um, there's a 300 year gap between today and discovering warp and what happened you know where where where. The, where no man has gone before the pilot so uh, that's always been a fascinating area to me that is almost uh, off limits and well not off limits but almost unexplored except for the books and in my uh, experience with Star Trek I read at less than half the average reading speed the average reading speed is about a hundred and my average reading speed is less than half so it's in the 40s words per minute so for me reading an actual novel 
with more words on a page uh, than anything else is almost a chore and it takes a long time. I do enjoy reading. I do read uh, regular literature uh, or novels or whatever, but uh, I generally gravitated more towards uh, the more more visual media. So comic books and uh, video games and uh, or computer games. I actually had a computer and played computer games in the 90s. Me too. Uh, Me too. I, I mean, I, I did. Like I said, I did read. I loved Q Squared by Peter David. Oh, also by, such a great book. Also by Peter David, Imzadi, and Vendetta. Once and I, I discovered, I think Vendetta... Ahead. I, no, I think Q in Law was my first Peter David book ever. And that was my first experience with a Star Trek non-canon source or, you know, beta canon, as it's become termed. And uh, uh, I, I latched on to Peter David, and I thought he was a great author. Although I've learned that as an individual, he's not the greatest person. You know the way that his, his the way that his books are seems like he probably wouldn't be like he seems very judgmental and very like <laughs> flippant about like differences, but he's also keen on like creating them and underscoring them and and bringing yeah. them in. Like that's part of the thing yeah. that I like about him is he always has a crew made of a whole bunch of different species. You yeah, know, yeah. That, that you've well, never heard and of that's before. When, when he finally came out with a um, New Frontiers, I enjoyed that series. Man, that series is awesome. I, really I've only series. read the first four novels, the really short ones. Yeah. So those um, four are like a prequel to the rest of the series, and they, I think yeah. they're always intended to go together. Yeah. Uh, but really great, really great stories in there. Yeah. And it um, actually gets it actually gets better um, later right. on. I gotta tell you. And then I I enjoyed the graphic novels for New Frontiers. Um, I did eventually take a trip outside of peter david and star trek and i discovered uh michael jan friedman in, oh yeah another uh, great one mm-hmm. the next generation kalis i yes. enjoyed kalis so much and i thought it was so cool that oh wait you know was it this really what was kalis one was the clone actually the clone that they thought it was or i mean he kind of suggested that the clone could actually be molar didn't didn't he? Did you read Kalis? You know, I do. I did read it, but uh, that was maybe thirty years ago. Mm. <laughs> maybe twenty years ago, at least. I, you know, even a decade ago. Yeah, really, I, honestly, I, like even five years ago, my memory gets a little <laughs> bit faulty. I um, I didn't always have as generous as a father as yours apparently was. Okay. Uh, I had to read the novels as I was able to get them, sometimes secondhand, sometimes thrift store, um, and as as I was able to afford them with, at first, my allowance, you know, and then as I would get uh, jobs after I became an adult and so forth. So uh, I, I haven't always had all the luxury of being able to read all the books every time yeah. they in first come out yeah i um i was grounded a lot when i was growing <laughs> up and that was the only reason why i ended up reading a lot um 
I, I started with, you know, fantasy books. Like, uh, I think my first, the first book that was like, that, like overwhelmingly large to me and like, <laughs> oh my God, I'm never going to read a book like that was The uh -huh. Sword of Shannara by Terry Brooks. Uh, which of course I thought of at the time as a sort of Shannara and didn't know that it was Shannara until I heard Terry Brooks on an NPR interview and he said Shannara and I was like Shannara that's Shannara but you know I guess he's the guy who wrote it so he would know uh, yeah he would know but what difference does it make it doesn't so that book was was 300 pages long over 300 pages long and I thought I would okay. never finish it but I really I I got into it and I really and I and I read the rest never of the never like, read that one Oh my gosh! I read the twenty books that came after it <laughs> over the course of the following twenty years because, like, that's so, clearly my favorite how, author. He um, how's that related to uh, licensed Star Trek material? Oh, it's not. <laughs> I, I I don't remember how it was connecting, but it's, it's somehow in my head it connected. Uh, it was just because just from reading, you know, like and and yeah. so like I I started trying to read other stuff that was not Star Trek, and then I started reading Star Trek books, and it was like, oh, this is great. And I think that I just like kept going and going and going. Like the first, yeah, yeah. at least the first like fifty Star Trek: Next Generation books I've read. Also, here's another thing that I forgot was that we I had a cousin, and my well, lots of people have cousins. I guess everybody has cousins, huh? My well, uh, necessarily. Yeah, a hundred percent necessarily because I'm your cousin. How? It doesn't I matter. Kind of, okay. Like if you go far enough back, we're definitely cousins. Right? Like Aren't we all cousins? Times removed? Yeah, yeah. Like many, many times no, removed. Yeah, but like, yeah, 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 we're yeah, all okay. still cousins going back at some point. Like, if whether you're going back to mitochondrial Eve or Hera <laughs> or, you know, real Eve or going back to just Noah, which clearly everyone's or, or, from, right? Or uh, there, there's a, a genetic Adam, too. I guess there would have to be. I guess it would have to be for sure. So, no matter how far you go back, I mean, if I you bet, go back far I enough, we're all cousins. Back. That's my point. I I wonder if we're uh, both related to um, um, Genghis Khan. Genghis Khan. Yeah. So we're we're at the very least, we are both related to <laughs> uh, to uh, hot dog. No, is it hot dog? No, it's not hot dog. It's uh, Who's hot dog? who is it? It's uh 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 Hilo. Is it Hilo? Oh, it's Hilo. It's Hilo from Battlestar Galactica that we are all all related to because Hilo and Athena made um, uh, Hera, who became mitochondrial Eve. So who is Hera? Hera is the little girl at the end. Uh, is the little girl who is half Cylon in Battlestar Galactica. What is Battlestar Galactica? I thought we were talking about Star Trek. We were, you know, but like there are <laughs> there are other there are other things to life. I know, I know, there I are? know. Just. Just roll with me for a second. <laughs> there are, in fact, because there's 9 billion people on this planet and not everybody likes yeah. Star Trek, I know, I know, I will send you their names and addresses later on <laughs> and you can call them and write them and tell their senators that they should be impeached for not liking Star Trek. But there are people <laughs> on the planet who don't like Star Trek. And, uh, and there are other things, though, that can lead you t into Star Trek. And there are other things that, you know, sometimes you just need a moment away from Star Trek. Or sometimes Star Trek takes itself away from you for like a so decade or two. And then you're forced <laughs> to find other things to watch. Like, yeah, oh, yeah. 
there's a new series coming out by Ron Moore, the guy who created Nick Lucarno and was robbed of being paid for Tom Paris all those years. <laughs> oh, I'll watch that one. And then it turns out to be better than Star Trek. What? So How then Captain happen? Dorino, yeah. Captain Dorino, tell us about your total fandom uh, experience and your total fandom. What, what are your other geeks? Oh, yeah, so I don't know if you've been able to detect it by now, but uh, Battlestar Galactica is a thing, and Battlestar Galactica is the thing, the, mm. the other science fiction thing. Now, like, really, it's not another thing, because if you really look at it hard, <laughs> if you squint and you turn your head to the side so that you see the other side of the galaxy as it flips over <laughs> after you're backing up from Carathrace's Viper... <laughs> You can sort of see that Star Trek and Battlestar Galactica could sort of be along the same lines. Like, let's say a thousand years after Discovery, uh, or a thousand years after Craft from Discovery from Short Treks, let's say that, you know, the colony well, could it up. be uh, and we just have a like million the... years before Star it, Trek? Uh, we, we oh, could yeah, go this would have to totally be before. I forgot. Yeah, yeah. For some reason, my head puts it in a circle. That maybe they did a time jump at the very end, but it makes it oh. so like so like thousands, yeah, hundreds I mean, of thousands of years before before Star Trek, before before now comes Battlestar Galactica, and then after now comes Star Trek, right? So okay. it it all sort of fits together. Um, so that means that that like Picard is related to mitochondrial Eve as <laughs> like one of her, you know, offspring many times wow. down the line. Everybody's related to mitochondrial Eve. Yeah, That's I guess I guess unless they don't have mitochondria, in which case uh, they might just be a an amoeba. <laughs> a so, gay um, outside baby? of Star Trek, so I do. Okay, so I have this weird ass degree in in uh, computer science, um, and I got it actually uh, shortly after the end of the run of Battlestar Galactica. For some reason, I thought that I was going to figure out how to put brains into machines uh so i don't use that degree anymore i don't use that degree at all like i've used it in jobs not in title but in like supplemental duty like hey if you can't figure out what's going on through network go see david down the hall never mind <laughs> he's busy doing something that you know else he's actually being paid for it just go just go bust it on him and see see what so, he can so, help you so like like a, a minor in uh history or something uh sure what just I don't know, not not specifically to you, but well, I mean, um, so like specifically for computer science, like if you have a a major that's computer science, you have to have a minor that's math, because what's the point of having a minor in anything else? Because you're going to be doing an ass loads of math, like ass loads of math, ass loads of math, ass loads of math for computer science. I don't, I never understood why, but I kind of did understand. What's an why. ass load? About ass load? Oh, ass load yeah, of math. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, so uh, you know, algorithms are algorithms. Yeah. The, the algorithms of, of mathematics are give us, you know, whole numbers or prime numbers or half numbers or whatever. And the algorithms of computers give us, um, you know, an output on a screen. You know, mm -hmm. basically, like, basically saying that math and computer science are much the same thing, although the approach to them and my, my, understand, my, my love for them are very, very different. You could have um, a minor in music music is very mathematical it is very mathematical yeah absolutely so so suffice it to say that because of the computer science etc i i you know i i, I kind of cottoned to uh to, to um 
the Battlestar Galactica. That's kind of my thing. But I'm also like I'm into a lot, a lot, of very several like science fiction franchises. Um, one of those being Farscape. Mm-hmm. And uh, the oh, I also like Lex. Lex is pretty cool. You know, I own Lex. I own the first two seasons of Lex, and I've never. I I think they're still in their cellophane. I I believe it. So Lex is like <laughs> a throwaway. Like Lex is funny. But it's also not funny. You have to look at Lex as if you are a heterosexual white male, <laughs> and then it becomes then then all the humor becomes funny, and then it becomes mm. like a campy sort of like fun thing, as opposed to like this weird dystopian uh, sad universe. Mm. Uh, so those are some things that I that I enjoy mostly. It's it is mostly science fiction, um, but I'm also into like. More recently, as after I passed, uh, don't tell anybody. After I passed the age of forty, shh, don't tell. Um, I sort of got into like just current events and just like the world. Like I don't think I've ever really like taken much interest in the world before. Um, uh-huh. But I realized that you know presidents are the ones who like give us things like extra money. You know, <laughs> and when Obama <laughs> gave us whatever amount of extra money that I received that year, or maybe it was Clinton, some one of the Democratic presidents gave me some money, and I was like, oh, I'm oh let me see what's going on in politics and see when they're going to give me some free money and see what's <laughs> going on and see how they're planning things etc um so rachel maddow is like my role dog like i can't get a week by without rachel maddow so i i i, I do the the politics thing uh a lot like i pay attention to what's who's going on rachel maddow? Uh, come again who's rachel maddow anyway she's weeknights at 9 eastern on msnbc Check, She's it, what? check it out. Weeknights at oh. 9 Eastern on MSNBC. Okay, so remember, we might have British fans who don't get MSNBC. I um, don't know. If they I don't, get it. You know what? I, I don't um, I don't know who Rachel Maddow is, but uh, she's a very, very... So she's a news commentator. She's a news broadcaster. She's a commenter. Oh, okay. Yeah, she has a weekly... She has a, a daily show that's weeknights at 9 Eastern on MSNBC. Okay. I actually don't watch the show. But, but I listened to her the following day in podcast form. Okay. Um, and it is from podcasts that I have gotten my like political affinities. I watch. I listen to uh, What a Day, which is a crooked media podcast by Akila Hughes and Gideon uh, Resnick. I listen to them like every morning, like religiously. What, what, Can't get what do you mean by crooked Hughes. media? That's the name of the company. It's called Crooked Media. Oh, okay. Um, okay. It's formed company. by uh, some guys who were. I think most. Of, I think they they were like former Obama guys. Like they used to work in the White House. Okay. Um. So, uh, you, John Lovett is one of them. John Lovett is um, is uh, is one of those guys from Crooked Media, and he actually has a separate show. They they so they do the show. Their main show is like Pod Save America, right? Um, which has okay. like John Favreau, uh, and uh, it has John Lovett. It's got Tommy Vitor and Dan Pfeiffer. You know, all like formerly active political guys like who did stuff in like the white house like barack's white house obama's white house and i like spend their time like commenting on it uh john lovett is actually uh engaged to uh holy frag uh ronan farrow and ronan farrow is this this hugely like popular reporter who uh he did a lot of investigating and uh he's best known for his um Investigative reporting of allegations of uh, allegations, I should say, of uh, sexual abuse against Harvey Weinstein. So, like, he's the guy who basically like helped to bring Harvey Weinstein down. You know, just by just by being him. 
mm-hmm. but he's also I'll say the son of Mia Farrow and Woody Allen okay so so anyway so that's so, so John Lovett who's his fiance does a show that's on the weekends that's called Love It or Leave It uh, which is great. That's a crooked media show. And then the other crooked media show that I listen to like constantly is, as I said, What a Day. So there's Pod Save America, uh, Love It or Leave It, and What a Day that I'm just like into like constantly all the time. Uh, hmm. Really, really like them. Um, I'm also I'm also a big fan currently of an artist called the baby i don't know i can't get enough of this guy but like i'm a constantly musical artist or a... yeah he's a he's a musical artist. artist that's what i just literally said a moment ago you oh did it, i just say artist you just said artist and i was that's trying to fair. narrow down what kind of artist yeah so i don't with a name like the baby you can sort of imagine what kind of music he might make well i don't want to assume uh you can go ahead and assume his name is the baby I, I I don't uh, like to make you know, you know how how they spell assume. Yeah, I do know how they spell assume, <laughs> and you're assuming that it's the same way I spell it, and it is not, sir. <laughs> I spell it A W E S O M E. Awesome. That's that's how I spell it. Let me bridge the gap between the two of us. So, like between the two of us, one thing that we, the reason that we met each other and the reason that we we stayed friends for a long while is that we did. Uh, Star Trek RPGing together, like which is basically yes. you know you write collaborative fiction with other people online, you create your character, other people create their in characters, form, your yes. characters interact, the captain runs a mission, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So that's kind of yes. like how we met. So I know that you have some element of that in your life, but what yes. what what else is there that you want to talk tell tell the people here about? Make sure you look into your camera. Oh, look into my camera. Yeah. So so they know what, you're being. What, so they know you're being. It's that one over there. Oh, okay. There you go. All right. Yeah. So um, you were talking a few minutes ago about living in um, uh, the military and on a military base. And so I'm just going to jump in and say, well, my old place that I can still remember and the residents were I was just talking about having my first Star Trek experience in Lake in the Hills, Illinois. Wowzers. Okay. <laughs> That's a mouthful, isn't it? That is like in Hills, uh, Illinois. That's dope. Yeah. There better be a lake there, and there, there better be a lot of trees there. It was a it was a very literal name at the time. Yeah, I used to swim in that lake all the time as a kid. We would we could walk down to the lake from where we were living at 106 Oakleaf. There was an island that you could go out onto that was barely an island because it was like I don't know at most 12 feet from the land. Okay. There was a small little bridge you crossed yeah. and just walk around the island and explore the island. But you're little kids. I mean, everything's bigger for you. I've heard now that they're big enough that they have their own lows. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> okay. anyway, when I was a kid, we, we were excited when we actually got a convenience store brand convenience store at the corner. As a kid, I found myself strangely connected with characters of data maybe Spock a little bit, definitely uh, Seven of Nine. And there was also, of course, there was the also pseudo-heterosexual teenage male attraction to Seven of Nine, but she had a really good story arc. But what I'm getting at is I, I found out years later, I well, one, I was initially diagnosed with ADD, which was a fad diagnosis in the 80s. Yeah, I think and we were all diagnosed with that at one point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. ADD or ADHD, and some people oh. also get them confused all the time, but they're two different things. 
Yeah. Uh, um, then in 2010, I was finally properly diagnosed with a form of autism spectrum disorder called Asperger syndrome at the time, which of course with the DSM-5, it's now no longer Asperger syndrome. It's just a high functioning form of uh, autism spectrum disorder. So I've always, so that answered so many questions and why, and that also made me re rethink some things and think that's why I was connected with data. And it was a few years after that, that I heard an interview like um they were showing a uh what a reunion show uh for start the next generation cast and brent spiner was actually talking about how many times people or the parents of people on the spectrum autism spectrum disorder spectrum <laughs> yeah spectrum people. spectrum yeah. that that how many times people reached out to him and told him how much data meant to him and it clicked for me why data meant so much to me and then later on not so much Tuvok because by then we were already used to the way the weird ways that Vulcans were supposed to be sure. and they didn't play it up so much with Tuvok but definitely Seven of Nine and not only that but the other great thing about Seven of Nine was the fact that she was a female with that was behaving like she was on the autism spectrum sure. and there's a there's a stereotype that says that only men or only males have autism, and there are plenty of female uh, people on the autism spectrum, including the the very famous uh, veterinarian Temple Grand. You know, she's a female with uh, on the autism spectrum. Then, then uh, I I was also as a kid exposed. You know, I was so frustrated with my dad for not having uh, conceived me nine or 10 years earlier than I was because I was born two years too late to experience the original Star Wars in the theater in its original format. Wow. I, I grew up with Star Wars on VHS and you can reference back to our comments earlier on what VHS is. What and of course the the accursed format of uh, cutting it down to four by three, yeah, yeah. Uh, which was blasphemous, but none of us knew what that meant at the time. At the time, uh, we did not. I now see it yes. clearly every time I watch Star Trek: The Next Generation, and it's very sad. Yes, well, and it's very sad that they're not able to put. Star Trek The Next Generation widescreen because they they filmed the or they they framed the the show yeah as if it was going to be on four by three Whatever. so they would have other things like like lights and other parts of equipment that were not a part of the show within sure. the frame but they knew they were going to cut it out. I watched the was it the Price with Devon on a roll and the Barzan wormhole the other day. And I was noticing in that four by three that Data and Jordy were so close together that there's no way they were sitting in a regular shuttlecraft. Like, and I'm sure it's a function of the four by three screen because you have to have, have them framed that way. Mm -hmm. If it were framed the way that Discovery is framed mm -hmm. or Picard is framed or even Lower Decks, unfortunately, is mm -hmm. framed, then you would actually see a much larger <laughs> space. But I think the spaces that we experienced mm -hmm. in the uh, in the uh, 24th century, the early 24th century, I should say, or the mid 21st yeah. century, it's yeah. framed that way just because of the screens that we were using. And I think everything's much larger later. Yeah. Well, the those small little 
type one shuttlecraft for the next generation were really close together and it's like that is such a small even a car volkswagen beetle is further apart than they would be sitting sure. i'm exactly yeah, no doubt yeah um, no i and, think and by really a volkswagen are. beetle i mean but to 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 millennials by a volkswagen beetle i mean here we go a volkswagen beetle a a pseudo volkswagen beetle <laughs> A modern Volkswagen. I mean, the little thing where you have like a three-inch windshield wiper that yeah, covers the whole windshield. You're talking about a Herbie the and Love Bug. The, the engine's it's got a motorcycle engine in the back. The Love Bug, yeah. I think that what you did is you brought us to that. That you're also a Star Wars fan. Is that what you you you're telling us? Yes, that's correct. Holy jeez. Um, I don't know if we can my do this podcast tells, anymore. Hey, Mister Battlestar Galactica. Hey, but look, Ron and Moore is no from Star Trek. Clue. <laughs> and I have no clue what you're talking about. Well, yeah, but there's an original Battlestar Galactica. Was the original Battlestar Galactica is Deep Space Nine? What are you talking about? <laughs> oh no! Now, now that's Babylon Five. Oh, that's true though. Oh, that's unfortunate. Don't do that. But anyway, because oh, you know they took they took <laughs> they took Admiral Tomalock away from us, and they never gave him back. And he never came back ever again. Tomalak rings a bell. Why? Is yeah, Tomalak was the guy who uh, was the big Romulan baddie, right? He was like always the Romulan guy. Oh, that's right. Crazy. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and took, then, how did they take uh, him away he, from us? So he became Ambassador Jakar. And then he was never on Star Trek again before he died. Oh, okay. I didn't know he died. Yeah. So, yes, I'm a Star Wars fan. My dad tells the story of going to see Empire Strikes Back in the theater uh, as kids. And we were so terrified by the uh, Wampa ice creature that we screamed and screamed and screamed that we had to leave the theater. We, you know, we obviously left because, I mean, what are you going to do? So the actual first Star Wars I remember seeing in the theater is I remember walking in late to Return of the Jedi. Oh, me too. The first, okay. The, the first scene I remember seeing is just when... The Admiral is done talking to Vader. He turns around and walks away. They do the music cue, and then they cut to they, – they fade to um, the next scene. I never saw – in the theater, I never saw anything before that. Oh, wow. Okay, um, but I do remember late. the rest of the movie. Well, not too terribly late, but yeah. Sure. Uh They've already reintroduced you to uh, the main three and uh, stuff like that, but yeah. It's not the Emperor scene. It's the first Darth Vader scene, so it's like the second scene in the movie. Okay. But anyway, so I remember being a little frustrated that we were so late, but we did see the movie. For the longest time, my only exposure to Star Wars was the original three movies. Again, like I said, there I wasn't a big reader when I, I was a kid and in the 90s when the Timothy Zahn books were coming out I've never read those I still to this day have not read those I, I'm looking at the first one the uh, Heir to the Empire that sure. uh, I, and I've never read it I have it in my shelf and I've never read it um, but anyway uh, so my I was just kind of a casual Star Wars fan and I kind of still am but uh, then the prequels happened, and they were a thing, and I enjoyed the prequels just as much as anybody else did. And and one of the things that somebody said on YouTube re- not too long ago was 
um, to each generation, each set of movies is their end to the Star Wars universe. Yeah. And they yeah, are true. allowed yeah. to like what they like. And it's okay to like the prequels better than the originals. Or it's okay to like the Disney Star Wars because that's your entry into the universe and then you can expand your universe and go into the other things 100 so that's my hope that's what everybody does with uh with star trek as well that's what i do with star trek i mean for from my perspective like my mom always used to say it's you you don't have a favorite child you don't have a favorite star trek you don't have a favorite star wars you don't have a favorite sci-fi property they're all your favorites in whatever regards that they are whatever makes them special and that's why I can like Star Trek I don't have to have these little wars in my head that say oh who's better Luke Skywalker or Kirk Captain Kirk they're different people in their own respect so but then I discovered uh, the Clone Wars I am a big fan of the animated series uh, Star Wars The Clone Wars both the uh, Gendy Tartakowski originals and the new ones the seven year seven seasons were Wars I am passionate about Ahsoka I'm sorry I am passionate about Ahsoka Tano's journey her continuing journey as a connection to to uh, the animated Star Wars I'm also a big fan of very money much animation I was unfortunate enough to be a tween or an early teenager when Batman the Animated Series came out I I would watch it, I enjoyed it uh, but unfortunately I was at that age in the time period when in, in culture that said in, in, in America that said oh, you need to be 13 you're supposed to get on beyond cartoons and and stuff. And fortunately, though, this cartoon was actually aimed at, at people my age. Sure. And I latched on to Batman the Animated Series, and I've loved cartoons ever since. I'll watch any, you know, There, it depends on what the cartoon is about, but I can watch stuff for as simple as Nick Jr. shows to Disney Jr. programming, depending on the, the show all the way up to the most risque, horrible, terrible tentacle fantasy and in anime and hentai. I love you know, the tentacle fantasy. I, I appreciate all four. I do like, I do like animation a lot. Um, I don't like all animation and I don't like yeah. the freeze frame, uh, what they used to call, I guess they call it anime, but at, at the time when I was in high school, they called it Japanimation, which I realized sounds racist or might be racist. Uh-huh. Uh, it did come from Japan, though, and <laughs> yeah. it was a lot of freeze-framing and a lot of their mouths not moving in the way that their mouths would move to make the sounds that they're coming out of their mouths. But, yeah. uh, you know, like, I, I, do, I, I, do, I do enjoy that. I even, like, like, I even enjoy animated porn. It's pretty amusing, I've always thought. Even, like, the tentacles. The tentacles stuff <laughs> is wildly yeah, yeah. amusing. Exactly. And then, like, the... Well, it, yeah. The, the more, I've never... Like, actually seen any specifically explicit tentacle porn um i was just something i was like being mildly uh stereotypical oh yeah so there's a there's a thing called legend of the overfiend um uh, which i believe is called uratsuki dojai uh and that that is a uh that's uh that's definitely tentacle porn 
there. Okay. Definitely, for sure, some tentacle porn. I might have to uh, look that up later. Yeah, yeah, check it out. <laughs> it's it's uh, it's Uratsuki Dojai. Uratsuki Dojai. Legend of the Overfiend is what it's called. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, and I also enjoy like the Belasco cartoons, you know, stuff like that. Like it's yeah. it's pretty good, pretty good stuff. What one of my uh, Asperger's fixations is uh, uh, the canine genus, and okay. uh, so I it I expand that into all my geekdoms. I I really latched on to um, Princess Mononoke. Speaking about anime, um, and then from there I branched out to some of the other Studio Ghibli films, and uh, from there I, you know, I also for regular serial anime I, I got into Inuyasha. Uh, Inu is the word for dog in Japan, okay. or, or or somewhere that I'm probably butchering it and. Uh, Please forgive me if I'm mistranslating it. But uh, and in Inuyasha, the character has these, you know, daughters. and so that was my first entry into serialized uh, series uh, anime, not full-length feature film. But from there, I went into uh, various other things and, and some of my other anime or animation geekdoms as well. I eventually enjoyed uh, My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic. Uh, my a friend of mine introduced me to that. He says, you'll just, just watch it. And this is why I like it. And I said, okay, well, I'm going to try. And looking at it from the perspective of the friendship being, poetic, you know, he, and, and how, you know, in the 80s, all of our, quote, boy cartoons are, the man can do it by himself. He doesn't need anybody. And I was never anything like that. You know, he is tough and rough and, and, you know, don't cry. And, and, uh, I don't, I can fix everything and I can do it all. And I don't need anybody. And what I enjoyed is how much different, uh, friendship is magic was from the boy cartoons that I grew up in the eighties. Sure. And the teamwork and the friend building. And not only that, but it came out at a time. Friendship is Magic started in 2009, and I got my diagnosis in 2010. And that was when I was also starting to learn about how to become and be a friend myself. So it really fit in with my uh, self-identification and self-learning at the time. When I got my diagnosis, I really poured myself into bettering myself and growing and achieving uh, and being more than the greedy, selfish, uh, instinctual Aspie that I had been the re- my whole life. You know, untrained, un uh, selfish, and uh, stuff like that. So that's probably one reason why I really reached out to the character of Twilight Sparkle and learning how to be a friend. Then later on in in my life, I've experienced a lot of uh, grace and mercy and love. One of the characters I really latched onto was a character that started off as a villain, was defeated, but not destroyed. And when she was, when she saw that she saw the error in her ways, she was repentant 
and she turned her life around and became a very special and and they sh within the show they showed her the same kind of grace and mercy and love that i received from the community that i was a part of in real life in in, in this time i i am part of a traditionally evangelical background now i am not myself you know there, there's a lot of evangelicals that you know that take the stance oh the only good evangelical christian is a republican conservative ultra conservative uh christian and i am i am not that uh i am almost the opposite of that okay but uh um at the time that community showed me exactly the opposite of the stereotypical you know kind of Christian that is oh God hates sinners God hates this and God you know they didn't show me that they showed me exactly what I needed and they showed me God is acceptance God is love God is mercy and forgiveness sure Wow, that is a that's a that is a long <laughs> that's a long way to go. I really enjoyed I really enjoyed uh, hearing about that though. Super interesting stuff, and it's always interesting how like people come from different places and end up in the same place by very yeah, different yeah, yeah, very yeah. different uh, methods. You know what I mean? Well, and it's also a little bit part of our story because there there was a time when we drifted apart, and through learning, you know as you mentioned we uh got connected with each other in the early uh audies or mid audies then in the middle of that you know i got my diagnosis and i was able to reach out to you again and say hey you know i know i've been an asshole sometimes or i know i've been selfish or fixated on certain subjects or topics in our role play this is what's going on i just learned about this myself help me and rejoin me on my journey and you've been so receptive to that. And I've been so grateful to your acceptance of who I am, who I am in difference. And I think partly because of characters like Spock, because of characters like Data and Seven of Nine, that Star Trek has taught us how to be open and honest with each other, but also open and accepting and willing to listen and you've really exemplified some of that in my own life and i hope that i've broadcast the same thing to you you know you have and it's so it's it's interesting it's 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 actually uh, uh first of all thank you because that's a huge compliment <laughs> you you basically just told me that like the ideals of star trek that i think are, are so integral and important to star trek are ideals that i carry through my life which is huge like that's a big valid validation is a huge thing just like representation and um and i think that in a large way you've also sort of given me like the, sort of the same thing um a lot of people are far less patient uh than you have been for instance like even starting this show that we're doing right now we uh we started planning this show uh toward the latter half towards uh was it the, like the middle of 2019 or 2020 i mean the middle of 2020 in any case i know it's been a long time and and we've sort of like well you didn't yeah, you didn't approach me until the winter of 2020. Okay, all right. But we should have, like, by then, we should have been able to, like, start and get it rolling. And I just, you know, I have my own things in my life that go on 
that are not like ideal. I'm sure we'll get to some of it later. I'm feeling a little exposed at the moment, and I don't want to like, <laughs> I don't, I still want to like balance out all of these good things that you said about me with like some, <laughs> some, some things that people are going to perceive as negative. So I'll go, we'll talk about those later. But suffice it to say, like, I'm not squeaky clean. Um, it is my understanding yeah. that you are not squeaky clean. Um, yeah. And I'm, I'm okay with that. Um, just like I'm more okay with Ben Cisco not being squeaky clean yes. than I am with. Jean-Luc Picard being squeaky clean. Okay. Because I think that we're seeing through uh, through a fogged window when we're looking at Picard, <laughs> right? Because we're looking at Picard as someone who, you know, grew up with him as a role model and grew up on yeah. the Enterprise D and everybody was like looking up to him and he was so perfect. Yeah. Well, I think in Picard, we're starting to realize everyone wasn't seeing him that way. And I think that the way that... Oh, in the new show. Yeah, yeah. I think that the more honest way that we're looking at Starship Captains is now we we were very invasive with Ben Cisco like we were constantly in his quarters we were like in yep. his face during like private moments and we saw a lot more emotionality from him well and and I was totally expecting you to talk about the episode that he's most famous for that gives us the most tainted yeah. captain believe uh, you are we talking about uh for the is it the for oh, what is it for is the it, uniform for the uniform that's is that the one, or is it the one? Is it uh, in the pale moonlight? Oh, because the one that I'm thinking of is the one where we see that awesome uh, undershirt, right? That has like it's like a vest. <laughs> it's like the deep yeah, space the vest, and yes, right. And he has like the the shot of of whiskey or whatever, like through the whole episode. Uh, that that's that's an incredible episode. Oh, it's one that could okay. not have been done with Picard because Picard yeah. would never like not only threaten to bomb a living civilization, but also carry through with it. Yeah. Well, well both the episodes are very good Cisco episodes, because for the uniform, isn't that the one where he is accused of being Jean, Jean Valjean from uh, Les Miserables? I think so. I'm not really sure. So, the part I'm not really sh not sure of is Les Miserables. Like, I really haven't... Well, it's, it's the one where they introduce the hollow holographic uh i think that green. yeah i think that might be the one it's it's the one where he's going after eddington and eddington yeah. basically like check yeah. like checkmates him and he's like oh yeah i'm gonna blow up my whole side <laughs> like <laughs> all my guys are dead now what are you gonna do board. you really I'm feel like gonna... you won yeah that's what he did like in the end in the end of the game he just flipped the board over and was like fuck you guys <laughs> and like that's why i love cisco because we see yeah, yeah. real moments for picard is like an un, unattainably squeaky clean perfect figure and like none of us are ever going to be picard like i yeah, will yeah. I'm, I'm sorry hold on back up so my father was picard i have to give you that like hands down like i can't find i've been searching after his death okay. for his flaws yeah. and i still can't find them i didn't know while he was alive that he was so wonderful <laughs> and amazing of a man ask your mom but i didn't i had no idea like yeah that it was real like real like it's not just me seeing it like he was really that guy so yeah so so there's one person on the planet uh -huh. who could have been picard and that was my father and he's no longer with us anyway so you know there's still nobody like picard but there are a lot of cisco's and there are a lot of janeways and i think there's a lot of uh, uh i think there's a lot of sarus there's a live met us a lot of sarus in my life sarus are the ones who like get the get to the position and that was their goal. So once they're at that place, yeah. they don't know what to do next. You know, because they haven't thought about it. Because they were spending so much time trying to okay. get there. I've met a lot of those. I've met a lot of Sarus. I think I, I've I've been a Saru 
from time to time. And moving forward, I have to have more. Oh, ex explain what you mean by that. Oh, I just did. So, like, Saru is a person who, like, he wanted to be a captain. He wanted to be a captain. And once he got the opportunity to do it, he didn't know what he was doing. Like, he didn't he didn't look beyond the point oh, okay. of the goal. Like, the goal was get the captaincy. And it was never but like, what do I do with that? Like, who am I with that? So, so you're again. talking about his reaction when he finally gets to center seat. Yeah, and then he's like, "You're talking I about I don't know what the hell I'm doing." The way he reacts, it, yeah, in in the very last episode of season two, uh, when he's in the captain's seat, and all of a sudden Pike's not there, Larko yeah. Lorca's not there, yeah. he is the one. Everybody's looking at him; yeah, they're calling yeah. him captain. He's like, "I'm acting captain." Yeah, <laughs> like he totally doesn't know um, what the hell to do. Okay. So, like, very different captains, captain styles. Janeway is, is in my opinion, Janeway has always been closer to Kirk because she kind of, like, she barrels headlong. You know, like, she sees something, and it, like, she's like my sister in that regard. Like, my sister. Okay. So, uh, one Christmas, you know, went over to my sister's house, and, like, the kids, like, one of the kids, like, went down the street, and another kid went over to her boyfriend's house, and we were supposed to be, like, gathering up to, like, open presents and, you know, do the, like, Christmas family stuff. And she didn't say a word to me. She yeah. walked out of the house and she did not come back until she had her little mm -hmm. ducks in a row. And all of her little ducks were following behind her. And I was like, she's amazing. <laughs> Although she could have been a little bit, little bit more politic by letting her brother who was, you know, visiting know, hey, I got to go. I got to go get my ducks. As opposed to like, just storm, like she just stormed out of the house. And I was like, uh-oh, <laughs> you know, something's wrong. You know, because I've known her for, you know, 30 some years at this, that this point. This is your mom? This is my sister. So she's got, she's that, she's that, oh, okay. she's that, uh... So in the Pale Moonlight, yeah. Star Trek Deep Space Nine, uh -huh. season six, episode 19, wow. was the original episode I was referring to the imperfectness of Captain Sisko. Okay. You know, where, and I love the ending of that episode, you know, computer, yeah. this delete is, this... that entire log, and they yeah. just cut. Totally. <laughs> like, so this Whoa. is absolutely the episode that I was thinking of. <laughs> Not and... only did you... My my favorite picture of Cisco is the one from this episode where he's holding up the glass as a toast. Yep, yep, yep. Totally the one. Like that's that's that's. And he's that's got that vest it. and he's got the red shirt. And that vest, I want that vest so bad. <laughs> but I also want the whole uniform. Like that's that's oh. my that's my um that's my Starfleet uniform. Like for me, like that's the one. I mean, I know it's kind of a suit. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen. This man, this male, has had that uniform. Okay, so I have, have not had... had... No! I'm yeah, looking I've... at an avatar, and unless you did a oh, yeah. very good job of pacing so, your head on somebody else's yeah. shoulders... So the secret is, go back and look at Insurrection. You can go to trekcore.com, and you can find that very image. That's actually a head of me stuck on Picard. I have, a, well, I have an avatar. you did a very damn good job. <laughs> no, it took me a long time, you believe you me. Better, you did a better job, as, with as old as this picture is, Yeah. you did a better job than any current modern stuff I know. that sometimes I see for other role-playing stuff. You want to know where the tells are? I can tell you exactly where the tells are because I see them all the time. So, like, Maybe just to the right is... of my head, the background is right. is yes. smudged because there's no background okay. there. That's well, actually part of Picard's head away. still. Picard's head is still there. So, like, you can't really tell this smudged, but I it's, I spent a long time to make sure there wasn't smudged. Also, the part where my the back of my neck touches the uniform, it never quite touches. Yeah. Because if I made it touch, 
you would have been you would you would be able to see that there was a line that separated the two so i just sort of made it like a shadow but if you think about it if you look where the light's coming from that shadow makes no sense that shadow shouldn't be there that shadow would be like if the light was coming from a totally different direction actually no because the shadow on his shoulder is falling across yeah the shadow on from, his shoulder. from 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 my front from like the right side from the front right side of me like basically the lights coming from like in front of me right which means that shadow that's behind me shouldn't be like that that shadow that dark it shouldn't be that dark like if i had a harsh light coming from behind well, me the, that would, the that, would shadow. Get that shadow that dark yeah in any case uh if you guys uh, oh, if you guys wanted to saying. um if you guys wanted to uh, wanted to get a Star Trek avatar made, you know where I can st- t- take your head and stick it on a Star Trek uh, uniform and make you look like it's you're really in the Star Trek uniform. Uh, Earl Grey can attest for you that I'm I'm your guy. So you know, send us an email. Maybe <laughs> if I get around to it after I'm editing the show, maybe I make you an avatar. Maybe I don't. Maybe we'll see. <laughs> My wow. hard one is I uh, I like to play non-canon, non-human races. Um, yeah, man, it's always been with... difficult to make an avatar for you. The best one I did was like basically I took like a, <laughs> a white wolf's head and put it on a DS9 uniform uh, that I think was uh, Bashir because you know it had the right color. <laughs> and it's so difficult. Yeah. It's always very difficult to make an avatar for you. Strangely, I've never used the avatar that uses my own head as a character in any of my role playing. Really? Yeah, I don't know why really? that is. I've never like injected myself okay. in there. The closest I've done is taken Usher's head, Usher Raymond, take taken his head, and used him for uh, Captain Varric Raymond, who is the like great 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 grandson of Usher Raymond <laughs> and some Vulcan. So, uh, Usher, the famous music musician, uh, Usher, Usher. Yeah, yeah, that guy. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's the captain of, of the uh, man. What was he the captain of? Was he the captain of the Hope? Oh, he is the captain of the USS Hope. Is he? Yeah, okay. he was he was captain of the hope. Wow, so this conversation today has been really great. I yeah. I think it might be largely in part of the function that, you know, everybody's favorite subject is themselves. <laughs> That's so not I really, I really enjoyed talking about myself I today. My favorite subject. <laughs> um there is uh there's one more thing that I want to make sure that we we let people know so that they are, yes. you know, not expecting Herculean things. Like if you're expecting me to ever reference season three or four of Enterprise, it's not gonna happen until, you know, such time that we do our own reviews of that. Um yeah. but because uh, I haven't you know, I just haven't seen it, you know. So um okay. I think that might be all of the Star Trek that I haven't seen. I believe it is uh, the, the the only Star Trek the only officially licensed and canon Star Trek work that I that I haven't yeah, seen. Yeah, yeah. Um what about you? Well, um, I think there's a lot of the original series that I haven't seen, especially season three. Um, I've seen most of season one, and I think probably all of, if not most, of season two. I really enjoyed, like I just talked about animation, I enjoyed Star Trek, the animated series. I think it is canon. I don't care what Gene Roddenberry says. I'm going to agree. I think it's season four. I'll give you that. So, as far as I'm aware, I have seen all Star Trek except for Discovery Season 3. All right. Well, we're going to resolve that soon, but first, uh, <laughs> we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna start our regular show. So, next, uh, next episode, you guys, uh, when you come back, we'll be discussing uh, Star Trek Discovery, 
season one, episode one. We're going to run through that entire series. We're going to run through Picard, Lower Decks, everything sort of in the order uh, that they came out. Production and, order. Uh, so I look very much forward to, uh, to talking to you next time, Earl Grey. Yeah, you too, uh, Jack Dorino. All right, so we don't have like an official sign-off yet. Nope, sorry. Uh, and uh, so uh, let's see. That's all, folks. Oh. Oh yeah, we're supposed to sing. Night, everybody. Good night. Let's Talk About Trex is a production of Anodyne Relay. We review the copyrighted works of CBS Paramount's Star Trek team, of whom no copyright infringement is intended. Our main producer is David Moody, and our writers are Jack and Earl. We record on Lenovo computers with Zoom. We mix with NCH Mixpad and Master and Kukos Reverb. Our sound engineer is EJ Thompson, and our intro and outro music features samples of Awakening by Wadaboy from Pixabay.